Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome back. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Um, Mike here. I, I want to call this one 168,476. 168,477, and on and on. It's a play on words, obviously. I was told once to count to 100 before you do anything you might regret later. Well, as many did, I hit 100 about 17 seconds into Friday's market action. So, given that it's now Tuesday, I'm currently at 168,477 as we all watch the red ink flow. As is almost always the case during events like this in the markets, the only thing your brain will permit you to reconcile is the bad news, the doom awaiting us, the dark clouds thickening on the horizon. This is not new. The media coverage of the stresses we are seeing in the market surely matches the it's-never-been-this-bad type of level, but it has been much worse. Indeed, I have a hunch as unpopular and far-fetched as it might sound right this moment, that we will be surprised to the upside once all the dust clears and activities unfold. To think that a weak union of countries with an already paltry growth trajectory will somehow beat the UK up at the negotiating table is, well, short-sighted at best. My gut tells me that the trade deals and economic agreements reached over the next 12 to 18 months may even be better for the UK than we have seen to date in the EU structure. Further, we may also very likely find that our dealings with the UK actually expand, not decelerate. Why? Well, our companies won't have to go through all the red tape and regulatory layers that had to be fought through under the EU. Think about it for a moment. Does it really make sense to assume this will somehow be worse than it was before? I don't think so. And I suspect you will agree with me if you count to the same 168,477 before doing something you might regret later. Back to the U.S. for a moment. In a release which was thrown into the garbage heap seconds after it was reported the GDP final reading for Q1 turns out to be 1.1%, much higher than experts had expected. What I love about this number is that we can think way, way back in April, sorry, I got sucked into the press, that was only eight weeks ago, when the first report came out about the first quarter GDP, it was five-tenths of a percent GDP growth. Now, recall the hand-wringing and baying at the moon that the press did as the gallons of ink were spilled on the terrible economic outcomes awaiting us given the paltry five-tenths of one percent GDP growth in Q1. The laughable thing about this is that the number unfolded almost exactly as we discussed in these podcasts. Two revisions, both higher. The kicker, the final number, says the experts and the data only missed by, get this, over 100%. (laughs) Forgive me while I choke on my vitamin C. 
Let me ask you something. If you had a team of people who were widely followed and their job was to provide you a solid review of what has already happened, how long would they last if they missed their numbers by 100%? The latest data also show housing prices are still rising and a lack of inventory is causing a squeeze in demand. Now get this. Years ago, this country, not too many years ago, was choking on too many homes. Now we have a pathway ahead that for the next 10 years plus, we're going to just not have enough. The shortage of supply problem will not go away anytime soon. While we're counting in an effort to bring some logic to the current series of fears, first notice, if you will, how quickly the Zika virus, Russia, Croatia, Ukraine conflict, the islands in the South China Sea, oil glut problems, and the myriad of issues we worried about before Thursday have completely been erased from our dashboards of fear. The lesson, sooner than we think, something bigger than Brexit will become our focus. How about some better outcomes? Look, Brexit tremors are rattling global financial markets. That's clear. In the push-button world of fear today, some important elements, as always, are likely overlooked. The vote was not binding, and literally nothing has changed yet. It is easy to forget that it will take many quarters ahead for the U.K. to hammer out new trade agreements. Remember this, though. The UK is a huge net importer of goods. As such, do you think it is logical to assume that any of its trading partners will want to lose that access? Nonsense. Indeed, as covered above, it's more likely that the UK could end up with better trade deals than it currently has. We've seen it many times over the year in reverse. The EU made free trade deals with the U.S. difficult. The stage is set to potentially see an independent U.K. form even better ties with us. Already today, Whirlpool has come out to confirm its annual guidance in spite of Brexit. But think about it. Who really wants to bring trade to a halt? While tough at times, the age of globalization has taught most that the more trade there is among nations, the more incentive everyone has to coexist peacefully and prosperously. If the UK comes out of this stronger, other nations may indeed leave the EU. But remember, competition's a good thing. In fact, it's one of the very things that could come of a Brexit on a positive basis. Shaking off the frozen way of looking at things has held back growth in the Eurozone for many years. As we said, the EU has not been a successful experiment. Global trade and prosperity are far, more, are far from being maximized, as we seem to find out yearly. The main culprits to more expansion, politicians, regulations, and special interests. The real issue investors seem to fear surrounding Brexit is whether the gradual breakdown of the EU will result in trade that is freer or less free. If the UK finds itself better off afterward, one can be confident more will try. 
Here's the deal, though. We can fret over that till the cows come home. The fact is, we won't have any answers to that question for years. In the end, it's a wake-up call for those wanting to see competition among nations drive better and freer trade relations. History tells us this has been very good for growth when seen from a long-term perspective. As much as fear has once again gripped the markets, life rolls forward. The greatly feared trade issues are very unlikely to grind to a halt, or surprisingly, even slow down all that much. The upshot, after the price mauling we've seen, and maybe even a bit more to come this week, many very productive assets around the world are now trading at a 5 to 20% discount without some very clear and specific choice of mutual destruction indicating that global commerce is truly at risk, we stand by the idea that this is yet another in a long string of apocalypse now setting up to turn into apocalypse later. Right now, markets are actively producing the outcome they always do during windows of fear. Risk-averse, short-term traders are selling out while long-term investors step in to own assets on the cheap. Here's the thing. The best indicator of fear that I've ever known in my career is the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond. Right now, as of yesterday, it hit 1.5% and lower Indeed, the closing price was ticks away from the lowest of all time. In its own way, this vehicle is telling us that investors perceive a world which will never enjoy decent growth or rising inflation again. So I attest to you, we should start considering the opposite direction. As stated before, our treasury yields here and those in comparable debt the world over are not this low because the Fed is driving rates down artificially. Central bankers are not doing this. Rates are low for a much simpler reason. Investors fear they will never see strong growth again. On top of that, they continue to fret that slow growth will devolve into deflation. Rates are this low because investors are petrified of the perceived risk of equities in the dark world ahead. They are demanding in record amounts to be long-term lenders instead at paltry rates. There is simply no other way to define this phenomenon. Pessimism remains the ruler of the day. And for long-term investors with patience, that could not be a better thing. In closing today, as bizarre as this will sound, given it will come across as ignoring the Brexit issues, the setting here in the U.S. has rarely been brighter. In fact, I would argue it's never been brighter. Massive shifts are underway, pulling the underlying current of global growth toward the U.S., given our demographics. Our best days are ahead of us with surprising demands driven by the barbell economy. Too many will once again get lost in fear. The worst part, the same as if we had a crystal ball in 1982. 
we can almost assure ourselves that many more terrible things will unfold over the next 30 years, just like they did over the last 30 years. Most of those events are likely to make us chuckle when we think back and review how afraid we were in 2016 over Brexit. Hope these thoughts have been helpful. Join us again next time. Until we see you again, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.